Welcome, everybody, and thanks for joining us on episode 43 of Health Talk with Dr. Kell. We are in the middle of a What Is series. In episode 38, we discussed what is chiropractic. In episode 39, we discussed what is acupuncture. In episode 40, we talked about what is hypnosis. In episode 41, we discussed what is naturopathy. In episode 42, we discussed what is iridology. This week, we're discussing what is reflexology. Reflexology is a system of massaging reflex points on the feet, hands, and head that are linked to every part of the body. It can be used to promote healing, relieve tension, and treat illness. The feet can be a very sensitive body part. They contain around 8,000 nerve endings, which hold receptors for both touch and pain responses. That is one of the reasons why feet can be so ticklish for many people. Could those 8,000 nerve endings also connect back to other body parts? Today, we're going to discuss this. Welcome, everybody, to Health Talk with Dr. Kel. I'm Nikki Sterner, and this is podcast number 43, What is Reflexology? Hi, Dr. Kel. Hi, Nikki. How are you? Great. How are you doing today? Good. Before we get into reflexology, um, I wanted to do the quote of the day. And that is, the debt we owe to the play of imagination is incalculable by Carl Jung. Did you say Jung or Jung? Carl Jung? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're asking the wrong person with pronouncing words. I love him. He's like the hero's journey, Carl Jung. There you go. Yes. 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 Well, must, okay, so must please be explain him. this quote for me, Dr. Kell. I think when you look at everything on the planet, uh, what man has done... Uh, Without the imagination, you wouldn't have much of any of it, really. And when we look today at what we're talking about, what we're doing when we're looking at natural health care and forms of healing the body, you know, the whole philosophy of the body has the ability to heal itself if you remove the interference or supply it with what it needs to do that healing, uh, such as uh, supplementation or eating the right foods, getting the right exercise, etc. But when it comes back from there, if you look at the things we're talking about today, things like iridology that we talked about in the last podcast, today we're going to talk about reflexology. Uh, these things wouldn't exist if people hadn't had an imagination and, and begun to think about how the body worked and what it needed and what it was lacking and how to fix things uh, and taking different perspectives. We wouldn't have modern medicine. We wouldn't have... Uh, all the, all those things either if people first didn't think about it. Mm -hmm. uh, I like the saying, if you can perceive something and then believe you can do something that you just perceived and accomplish whatever task that is to, to accomplish it, you can achieve it. Uh, I like the perceive, believe, and achieve process. Mm. And that kind of goes along with that, I think. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I like that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Okay, do you have an article for us today, yes, Dr. Yes, today Kelly? our article of the day <clears throat> is called Diet and Gut Bacteria May Play a Role in Multiple Sclerosis. We've been saying and talking about in many of the podcasts about the microbiome of the gut and how important it is that that gut bacteria can play a role in affecting your brain all the organs of the body, all your, your health in every way, and eating all these processed foods, the Western diet totally uh, trashes your microbiome and, and affects you in, 
in so many ways. And here's an article that actually goes along with proving that theory. It says, uh, researchers have identified a link between multiple sclerosis and a decreased level of specific gut bacteria. Additionally, the study reveals those who consume more meat may be at increased risk of developing the autoimmune disorder. Now, I've always been a proponent of, uh, you know, reducing meat consumption uh, in in your diet, especially red meats. Uh, uh, kind of go on the line as uh, red meat and pork probably being on the top of the list of the worst. And uh, yeah. so beef and pork uh, and uh, uh, then... Uh, you know, chicken and turkey, poultry being not quite as bad. And I've always been a proponent of fish being the best. So, uh, and and less effective, having less vanilla effect. And when they're, when they're talking about eating meat, uh, there, there are those that don't see fish as actually being a form of meat. Uh, but uh, when you when I think of meat, I think of beef and pork mainly. And, and I do throw poultry in there as well. Uh, this article does not specifically talk about what meat they're referring to, but uh, I believe that's what they're meaning. Let's see. Multiple sclerosis is an autoimmune disease affecting fewer than 3 million people worldwide, but costing $28 billion annually in the U.S. alone. An untold suffering. I do have a sister-in-law with MS. MS oh. is more prevalent in specific regions, particularly the northern mid-latitudes, suggesting that geography is somehow linked to the disease, perhaps involving diet. Yeah, you, you notice that, that in different parts of the country, in different parts of the world, the way you eat is not always the same. Uh, the types of food you consume is different. You know, I, I find it funny, the assumption often is if people, if, if can cancer or heart disease runs in families, they often go, oh, it's genetic. But I tend to believe it's diet. They yeah. uh, the same diet they grew up with. They pass on to their children. Yeah, and and, and it hasn't improved because uh, you know a hundred years ago you didn't have all the processed foods that we have today. So we're we're progressively eating worse as time goes on, not better. Mm. MS is most obviously an autoimmune disease in which the body attacks the insulation surrounding its nerves. When the installation is damaged enough, the nerves begin to misfire and malfunction like wires with frayed insulation. But what triggers the body to attack the insulation in the nervous system in the first place is unknown. More and more evidence has suggested that bacteria might be involved. The bacteria living in our gut can affect our immune system. And what we eat can affect the bacteria in our gut. So, along with the researchers, scientists are saying the same thing. We've been saying for a long time, in a study done at the University of Washington, this one says, we found a number of gut bacteria associated with multiple sclerosis and severity of disability of multiple sclerosis patients. We also found increased autoimmune markers and signature metabolites in MS. But what is really interesting is how these systems connect with each other and how diet is involved in these connections. Using multiple approaches, we try to close the loop and show the association between multiple sclerosis and gut bacteria. Here it says, the strongest symptomatic linkage that researchers found involved eating meat. Their analysis linked higher meat consumption to a decrease in the population of good bacteria in people with uh, MS. 
this bacteria that decreases is associated with digesting carbohydrates and vegetables. So by eating a lot of meats, they're losing good bacteria that actually helps digest the, uh, the good foods, the, mm. uh, the carbohydrates from vegetables. So what's happening is when you're eating a lot of meat, you're destroying the bacteria that's needed to digest your vegetables is affected. So then you're eating vegetables and, and you're not able to digest them properly because now that gut bacteria is depleted and it's been depleted by the presence of all the meat. Uh, oddly enough, I have a patient I'm, I'm working with right now that has this exact problem. I found that happen a lot that as I do research articles or uh, I've been studying certain things that I'll end up having someone come in the office that's, that's suffering with a, a similar type problem. Interesting. Uh, but oftentimes those problems occur, like in this person's case, they eat a lot of meat and very few vegetables. And they say now when they do eat vegetables, they get all bloated, uh, they have diarrhea. And, and it's because they're unable to digest the vegetables anymore because they're missing this bacteria. Which oh. means that tells me this patient, if she's not developing MS symptoms now, that could be down the road. I wonder, do you um, substitute with like a certain probiotic that contains that? Well, yes, you've got to uh, help restore with probiotics the good bacteria. Sometimes people are so depleted that just doing that, you've you got to become more extreme. I mean, we talked before about, I uh, uh, don't know that her case is that way. In fact, you know, we would follow with with fixing the gut, getting, getting her off all the meat, um, supplying uh, specific supplements that work both on the gut and in the liver. Uh, typically with this kind of symptoms you develop what's called leaky gut where the cells begin to separate from each other throughout the gut lining and you actually you're digesting your food uh, larger particles get into your system and affect it your immune system overreact so you mm. have a depleted immune system from all this so what we're doing get them off the meat if possible get them get them taking the right supplements to heal what's called healing and sealing the gut and then get them eating good foods, get them back to where they can start eating the vegetables again and, and provide them with probiotics to help digest those so that they don't have the, the gas, the bloating, the, it breaks it down quicker and, she, and slowly helping to heal the body, the gut, the liver. You get all that working right again and get them eating a good diet, mostly a plant and fruit-based diet. They they'll heal and, and feel better and all the symptoms will go away. Let's Would you see. also have them take digestive enzymes? Would that help? Yes, yes. Very that good. Very, oh. very, you're, oh, thank you, you so you much. You have learned so much. You, <laughs> you know, it, it's, I, I joke, but um, it's so true. Uh, as people in life deal with all these kinds of problems and they educate themselves and have had to go in and see people to help them along the path, they become just as educated as all those people that went to school because they've learned what you need to do for the problem. That is the great thing about chiropractors and natural doctors is that they are in the business of really educating people on how to take control of their health. And that's what I love about it. Versus, you know, you go to see a doctor, they give you a prescription. Yeah, the medical and doctor doesn't. I, I can't count the number of times patients have told me they've they try to ask their medical doctor questions about their problem and, and they don't talk to them. They just say, here's your prescription. Go take it. You'll feel better. Yeah. Try this one out. Let me know how it goes. If not, we'll try another one. Yeah. Now, now you know there's medical doctors out there that are doing more 
things yeah. the way we do because t- things are changing. They're beginning to realize. In fact, I, there was someone in the other day that had surgery from a podiatrist for their bunions on their feet. A person who's much older, too late to do much about that, but had someone come in to me with bunions as a younger person. There are mm-hmm. ways to help that out. That's a sure sign your adrenal glands are working on overdrive and the muscles are beginning to weaken and your lower, lower legs and into your feet and they're allowing really? laxity in the ligaments and, and, and the tendons and in the muscles and, and also on the types of shoes you're wearing. It can, over time, you develop those bunions. She's an older woman. She went in. She had surgery. They scraped it off. Oddly enough, they gave her a combination of natural supplements with arnica in them and helped reduce the pain associated with it and improve the healing process associated with it in a natural way. And that was by a podiatrist, which a few years ago, you never would have seen that. So times are changing. People are getting better, and that's wonderful. That's what we're all about. That's all we care about. Let's... Let's return to a healthy way of, of healing. Natural medicine, yeah. Yes. Let's see. All right. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to mention one more thing in this article. Oh, okay. I'll read this last paragraph. Let's see. Uh, high meat consumption, which was observed in the MS patients, was also linked to an increase in T helper 17 cells in the immune system and an increase in S adenosyl L methanine or SAM in their blood. Basically, meat consumption causes your immune system to actually be on a state of, of heightened function. So you're, you're basically, when you eat a lot of meat, if that's your main source of, of food, your immune system is always on overdrive because there's lots of things in there that your body can't utilize in the meat. And so your body sees some of those things as toxins. And so it reacts to them and has to work extra hard to expel them from your system. So on to our topic of the day, reflexology. Yes. The uh, what is reflexology? Have you ever been to a reflexologist? I have. Recently. Very yes. good. And what was the experience like? It was fantastic. Um, he dealt with the feet, and I know he talked about the next session. Would we could move on to the the wrists and hands? Very good. Let me mention a few things, and then if you want to. Uh, jump in with your experience along the way, that, that'd be great. Okay. Let's see. So what is reflexology? So I looked at, uh, looked online, uh, I got some, read some articles and got some different information. I, I thought it important to, I could give you my own spin on it, but let's hear what they have to say. Reflexology is based on the Chinese principle that certain areas on the soles of your feet or hands containing millions of nerve endings correspond to other parts of the body. All systems and organs of the whole body are said to be mirrored or reflected in similar or smaller peripheral areas. Reflexology stimulates the body into healing itself by improving circulation, reducing stress, pain, and restoring natural balance. A therapist may apply pressure to your big toe and ankle to calm your endocrine and reproductive system, helping to relieve PMS or menopausal symptoms. In Chinese medicine, practitioners use reflexology to balance qi, a philosophical concept that refers to energy. Around 3,000 years ago, Asian practitioners were massaging hands and feet, applying pressure to certain points to stimulate organs, nerve endings, and energy pathways to promote health. It, it kind of goes along the line of acupuncture. 
even though you today you probably and, and maybe your reflexologist never brought this up experienced reflexology since I was a little kid my grandmother had books on it and I read those books and and uh, at, at one time in my younger years would uh, do it on people in college and and on myself uh, but that there's nerve endings coming from the organs that that go to your feet uh, and also your hands Oftentimes, if people's feet are too sore, they'll go to the hands, or, or a therapist will do it on your feet for a while, then on your hands for a while. But there's specific points you'll find on your feet if you poke around. Uh, you can look this up online if you want to. They'll show the feet, and they'll show the layout of what area on your feet goes to what organ in your body. And you, you start poking around, you find a sore spot. The, the philosophy behind reflexology is that... That leads to a given organ, and you may be having issues with that organ. An acupuncturist might take it from the view of the meridians are out of balance. and It's a form of diagnosis, and it's a form of treatment. They take that diagnosis from, you got your soreness here, uh, and then you massage that area. I, I find oftentimes if I... If I find a spot on the spine, you know, the spine, the same way the correlation to the spine, we've always said as chiropractic doctors and taught that if I palpate your spine and find pinpoint tenderness on a given vertebrae or to the sides of the vertebrae, those nerves, those big nerves coming out of the spine lead to given organs or areas in your body. And I often will find if I find tenderness on that area of the spine, I'll also find tenderness on the foot going to that same area. Let's say uh, it's mm. going, going to the liver or to the stomach. Uh, oftentimes find soreness in both areas. So it, it's sometimes a, a, a form that that I'll use to confirm that, oh yeah, you got something going on with your liver, and yeah, you got something going on with your stomach or your gut. Uh, so it's a form of diagnosis and form of treatment. Some look at it from different ways. A Chinese medicine doc would tend to look at it from a form of diagnosis, but when treating you or doing that massage to your feet, and you can stimulate those same areas with needles. I did it with acupuncture. I put acupuncture needles in the feet, in the hands, uh, in the ears. Uh, reflexology is also tied to the ear as well, and, and that's where all these acupuncture points are. And so when you're, you're really stimulating acupuncture points, at the same time you're stimulating the reflex points. As people have taken the information and moved on, they've uh, separated themselves a little bit from the Chinese medicine philosophy affecting the meridians to, to just affecting the organs specifically. In result, once again, back to, hey, if it works for you, use it. Find it helpful. You had a recent experience with it. Did it whatever issue you were having, Nikki? Yeah. I mean, I was just having like some pain and stiffness and um, yeah, it, it really helped. It was similar to, like you said, like a massage. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, he stimulated certain points um, on my feet and I just felt so much better. My energy was just a lot better. Let's see, there's a couple things in this article. It says, what to expect during a reflexology session. On your initial consult, your reflexologist may ask you about your medical history, health issues, lifestyle, and diet. They will then apply painless pressure to your feet using their thumb and forefinger to identify which areas of your body aren't functionally proper. It's not always painless pressure. Uh, sometimes <laughs> yeah. what we're doing is we're looking for the pain when we apply that pressure in the areas where it's painful. Uh, that's when uh, you know you need to work on that area. Sometimes working on that painful area can be a little painful, but uh, the point is to produce as little pain as possible but still get a benefit. See, sessions yeah. usually last 30 to 60 minutes and focus on soles of your feet, according to him, unless you are very ticklish, in which case they can massage your hands. Some reflexologists <laughs> use five or six sessions to treat specific health conditions and 
and you do not have to undress. What can, re <laughs> what can reflexologists treat? Here's a list of different things, uh, say, are beneficial. Uh, back pain, migraine headaches, poor digestion, irritable bowel syndrome, respiratory problems, asthma, along with the migraine headache, other forms of headaches, bladder problems, menopausal symptoms, and period. Let's see, the National Institute for the Health and Care Excellence state that reflexology may be help helpful to multiple sclerosis, which we just talked about. But there is not enough evidence to give firm recommendations. And you know I, what I got treated? Go I was just thinking, sorry to interrupt you. No, go ahead. Um, a lot of people have plantar fasciitis. Yes. Um, and I was, that that's what I was getting worked on, I remember. And he did some specific points, even up along my leg, that are tight, like um, tendons and things that just were, like, tight, super tight. And it was a little bit painful, but it really did help, like, to loosen them up. I know, like, even when you would do the work on me with, um, what is that machine that you would do to break up the adhesions? The arthrostim. Yeah. Same kind of thing, like just breaking up the hard, the hardened tissues that we get as we get a little bit older, um, just to open up the, the movement. and. Yes. Well, and you were a dancer, right? Yes. They, uh, so your calves and your legs and your feet took a lot of stress and pressure. And, and over time, you would have, through repetitive motion, as well as given specific types of things you did, you would have injured those tissues, even in a micro level, and would heal, would heal with scar tissue, tightening the whole area, affecting circulation, affecting nerve flow, affecting lymphatic flow. You went in there for um, plantar fasciitis. Oftentimes, with foot problems that we were talking about before with bunions, similar type thing, that may be indicative of you, and I think you probably had work done with uh, Dr. Ingrid and worked on the adrenals and functions of adrenals, and I think you probably even take adrenaline still, right? Yes, yes, every yeah. day. All those things help to balance your adrenal glands. It's, I, th I believe it's a combination of many things, but your adrenal glands play a part in your stress and anxiety. One of the things that we didn't mention that reflexology also helps with, along with so many other natural treatments, is reducing your anxiety. And reducing your anxiety in and of itself helps reduce, helps benefit the function of the adrenal glands, helps benefit your health in general. When we're in an anxious state, it causes the immune system to react. When yeah. it goes down to plantar fasciitis, the therapies we often do, we work on it nutritionally, uh, working on the adrenal glands and the gut. But the therapies, if you have very tight tissues or a lot of what we call myofascial adhesions in the calf or in the thigh mm -hmm. and even in the glutes, what happens is all that tissue becomes very tight and it squeezes the joints, it squeezes things like the fascia, it causes tightness in the foot. It actually can cause the bones to move and the arch to fall. And so by breaking up those adhesions in the calf and in the, and in the thigh and in the foot, uh, helps all that relax again. You know, we do adjustments on the feet to help support the arch. Our orthotics are important and good for helping to support the arch, especially in those cases. The younger you can get it a problem, the easier it is to fix. But to, yes, reflexology treatments are definitely helpful to helping the arch and helping the leg. He, he obviously was knowledgeable enough to go in and work on those tissues in your calf, because I do remember you had those adhesions there, and they probably yes. weren't fully dissolved. It's kind of like a scar. You, you have a scar on your skin, you you never really get rid of that scar completely, but you can help loosen it up and uh, stretch it and 
get get it so it's not so hard and tight. So it sounds like it's probably going to be a little bit of a problem you have ongoing and may have it the rest of your life, but it's part of maintenance care to maintain it and go get treatments from time to time to keep it from being a significant problem for you again. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely something like, you know, because I, I like to work out even just doing the stairs in our house are super steep. So like every day if I do them like, you know, 10, 20 times, it's like, I'm doing a workout and I notice like things tighten up the more you use them. So yeah, you're right. It's just a maintenance thing that I'm going to have to do. You know, I always recommend exercise, right? But I recommend good exercise. And part of the problem that former athletes have is they've always been trained to exercise intently and almost excessively. And mm -hmm. so they can re-injure themselves. They can get those mm -hmm. micro tears. You know, a bodybuilder doesn't want to go in the gym and do a light workout. He wants to go at it. When people do that, they, they cause more tearing and more scarring and creates more of a problem. So for like you, as I try to tell everyone, though it's not as fun and exciting, is walk. <laughs> yeah. Walk, get that three, four mile an hour walk going and uh, get your circulation going. It's, it's less trauma on the body. It helps you, gives you that blood flowing, gets the lymphatic flowing, gets the nerve flow flowing, and, and things working well and correctly. I never recommend for people to just go crazy intently uh, with exercise and, and do it long term. You know, when you're trying to build muscle, when you're an athlete and you want to, whether you're building muscle or performing a given task, you know, no matter what uh, sport you're in, you're always extremes. You're always trying to build muscle. You're always trying to get stronger. And doing those things does that, but it also causes damage. And most former athletes who were big athletes when they were young have all kinds of these problems when they're older. And yeah. that's why. That's why. Because they're constantly doing damage. When it's damaged, it gets repaired. When it's repaired, the repair is never the way it was originally. And so mm -hmm. it, it causes these fascial adhesions in the muscles and along the tendons and even the ligaments get damaged. And so you have these issues and the forms of therapy and treatment for these kinds of conditions are things that we help along the way. But they, you, you get them to a point of where you're generally out of pain and feeling pretty good. Uh, but uh, if you're continuing to live that kind of lifestyle, you got to maintain it and, and get maintenance care. And, and sometimes you throw it all out again and you got to redo the process. But yeah. uh, yes, that's that's it. Definitely. Well, that was really interesting. Is there anything else that you wanted to share about reflexology? I feel like... No, I think we covered the topic and pretty good and yeah. had a good discussion on it. If you want to give it a try out there, go give it a try. I think you'll find it beneficial. And uh, again, one of, one of the tools in my bag for helping to diagnose people and the forms of treatment that I use uh, uh, are very similar to what a reflexologist would use on the feet. I do it all over the body for anywhere... There's muscle and tendons and ligaments that cross a joint. Yeah, it's funny because you talked about your grandma had reflexology books. I had the same thing, Dr. Kell. My grandma and I used to give each other foot massages, and she had a reflexology book that I would look at and study. And I, I thought about going into it, to be honest with you. I thought it was so in interesting. Um, I didn't end up doing it, but I, I really did consider it because she would feel so much better after I worked on her feet and me as well. Cause I was, you know, playing basketball or doing dance or volleyball or track and my feet would be sore too. So we really both helped each other by working on our feet. Absolutely. That's a great story. The, uh, yeah. it reminds me of when I went to China a few years back, went over there on business 
was spent a couple of weeks there and and they took me down to the local place uh, it was in Shenzhen China and uh, they had a place they liked to go that did massages and I got a 45 minute foot massage and it's the and wow. uh, so along the same lines they didn't call it reflexology but same kind of thing that was you can apply pressure in different ways and in different intensities and and uh, so uh, we can call it what we want it but it's basically uh, affecting the nerves that affect the rest of our body and it's very beneficial no matter what the name or what you call it thanks for listening everybody today on what is reflexology we hope you enjoyed that if you have any questions for us specifically to reflexology or any of the other topics or you want something else covered by dr kell you can email health talk with dr kell at gmail.com and that's d-r-k-e-l-l at gmail.com Also, a big thank you to our sponsor, Ocean Bay Naturals, who provides organic, uh, natural products that are healing to the skin and the body. Um, Incredible products on their website, OceanBayNaturals.com. Also, if you uh, like the standard process supplements, we have the HolisticHealth.StandardProcess.com website that you can order products. Also, Dr. Kell's office um, provides phone consults or in-person consults if you're wanting to know more via nutrition and supplementation. So uh, anything else, Dr. Kell? No, I think that's great. All right, fantastic. Uh, Our podcasts drop every Tuesday, so be sure to look for Health Talk with Dr. Kell on Tuesdays. Thanks for listening, everybody, and thanks, Dr. Kell. Yes, thanks for listening. Have a great day. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. While we make every effort to broadcast correct information, we are still learning. We will double check all facts, but realize that medicine is a constantly changing science and art. One doctor may have a different way of doing things from another. We are simply presenting our views on how to live a healthy lifestyle that will be as evidence-based as possible. We welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors. We take no money from drug or device companies. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others, including but not limited to patients that you are treating. Consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Under no circumstances shall Dr. Kel Fullerton or any guests or any contributors to the podcast or any employees, associates, or affiliates of Dr. Kel Fullerton be responsible for damages arising from use of this podcast. This blog should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis of expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on this podcast. Our website, blog, and podcasts are all HIPAA compliant. While you may give your email address to subscribe to the website posts or to post information on the website blog, we will never share your email address or contact information with any third parties without your explicit permission. The contents of Health Talk with Dr. Kell podcast and the show notes are all copyrighted. All blog posts, podcasts, and show notes that are distributed to the public for free can be redistributed via hard copy or electronic copy for free only if Health Talk with Dr. Kell is included as the acknowledged author within the actual media that is being redistributed. The Health Talk with Dr. Kell podcast is a production of The Orange Stack with executive producers Dr. Kell Fullerton and Eric Hammond and hosts Nikki Sterling.